Good evening. It's a great pleasure and a great honor to be here with you. And I would like to start by thanking Avi, sorry, uh, <laughs> Ari Katz and Avi Margalit and all the distinguished members of the uh, organization that had facilitated this series of lectures. Thank you, all of you, for supporting and taking interest in. This is the one topic that everybody knows something about, because anyone who has any affiliation with Jewish life knows something about the Jewish calendar. But I would like to challenge this idea and to ask you a very simple question. When does a Jewish year start? But before we would ask that, before I would ask that, I would like to say one previous sentence. The great British, the great Jewish British philosopher, Sir Isaiah Berlin, was asked, what is the uniqueness of the Jewish people? Or what is the problem of the Jewish people? He said in a very short sentence, they have far too much history and they have far too little geography. I think this is, <laughs> I think that's rather insightful observation. Because the fact that we don't have enough geography is well proven every day. But the fact that we have too much history is really meaningful and unique. What does it mean? That anything that we're going to say had been challenged through three millennia. The Jewish people were around for three millennia. It means that whatever was considered proper by one group of Jews in a certain time was challenged and deconstructed by other groups of Jews in other times. We need to learn to live with differences, with many voices, with challenges, with disputes. That's the way it always was. It's, only, it's not only Jews of today who are disagreeable, who are controversial, who are partial and impartial and so on. That was the situation always. And that's a blessed thing because only literate people can spend time with arguments, with challenging, with criticism, with change, all those things are vital part of Jewish history because people who are literate, and the Jewish people were always literate, people who are literate take the freedom to ask, to criticize, to challenge, to reform, to think, and to recreate. That being said, let us start by asking, as I said, when does a Jewish year start? Yes. Yeah, that's very good. The first, of, the first of Nisan. So why all the respectable Jews who are sitting here are celebrating Rosh Hashanah? Now, why? This is a serious question. This is no fun. Why all of us are well familiar with Rosh Hashanah in first of Tishrei and nobody celebra celebrating first of Nisan? The Torah asserts explicitly this month, the month of the spring, is the head of the month, or is the first of the month. It is well described in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, that the year should start in the first of Nisan, the month of the spring. Why Jews today are celebrating the beginning of the year in the first of the seventh month? How come? Since when? Why? Who had made the change? Before I would offer the answer, I would like to remind you 
that the first thing that the French Revolution had done was to change the calendar. They had been living, as everybody else in Europe, according to the calendar, the Julian calendar, and the, uh, the Georgian calendar for many, many years. But the first thing they had done, they had, in the eve of the revolution, they had shot the clocks on the churches and they said that signifies the end of the old time and the beginning of a new time. What was the first thing the Russian Revolution activists had done? They had changed the calendar. They said this is the end of the old age and the beginning of the new age. Something of that sort had happened with us. Something of a revolution had taken place in Jewish history where a group of people had decided that it's about time to end the old time and to start a new time. But when you change a calendar, it's much more than a calendar. It's perception, it is history, it is set of priorities, it's principles, it's cultural context, it's a whole lot. It's much more than a principle of calculation. And I would like to elaborate a little bit on how this process had taken place. I would start by asking you where the holiday Rosh Hashanah is first mentioned. Where is it mentioned? Where? It is not mentioned in the Bible. It is not mentioned in the Bible. There is no such holiday. The Bible knows a holiday known as Day of Memorial or Day of the, Day of the Trumpets, Yom Zikaron Trua the day of memorial where trumpets are being blown. But what does it signify? Where is this day of memorial? Is it the only day of memorial? Now things are complicated because this day of memorial is nowhere to be attached to the beginning of the year. This is an innovation. But before we would discuss the innovation, let us take a look on what is a Jewish calendar in the first millennium. The Jewish calendar that we know today is 2,000 years old, but before the last 2,000 years, we had a complicated calendar, which was the temple calendar for 1,000 years. How do we know that? In 1947, the treasure of the Dead Sea Scrolls was found by accident. Among the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have 930 holy scriptures. All the Dead Sea Scrolls are holy scriptures. They contain parallels of the biblical library with differences. The major difference between the biblical tradition as we know it and the biblical tradition has been, as has been found among the Dead Sea Scrolls is the issue of the calendar. I'll say it one more time. The Dead Sea Scrolls has all the biblical books with the exception of the book of Esther. Some, some of the books are perfect, some of the books are torn, some of the books are only shreds, but it has a representation of all the biblical library. When we make a comparison between the Dead Sea Scroll biblical library and the traditional Bible as we know it, the most noticeable difference between the biblical traditional books and the biblical books as they have been found among the Dead Sea Scrolls is the issue of the calendar. What is the calendar in the Dead Sea Scrolls? In various representations in many books, it has the following idea. 
Time is holy. Time is eternal. Time is pre-calculated and time is based on a solar calendar. I'll explain each one of those things. Time is eternal. It means that not, it's not for humans to dictate time. Time is eternal and it had been brought from heaven to earth by Enoch, son of Jared, the seventh of the, uh, patri the, seventh of the patriarchs of the world in the first ten generations, number seven. Um, on Enoch it had been said that he was walking with God, unlike the others, other people who are mentioned in Genesis chapter 5, on whom all it is, had been said that they were born to a certain father, they gave birth to certain children, and they were taken to heaven, they were, uh, they were accomplished their life and died. On Enoch it had been said that he was taken to heaven. On the question why, it's only Enoch who was taken to heaven. The first book of Enoch, the second book of Enoch, and the third book of Enoch are telling us that he was taken to heaven in order to study the calendar. What did he study? What did he learn? From whom did he learn? That's a topic for a whole lecture. I would just sum up in a very short way. Enoch learned that the calendar has 364 days, which are divided equally to four quarters of 91 days. Each one of those 91 days has 13 Sabbaths in it. And altogether, since we have four quarters of 91 days each, we have 52 Sabbaths every year. This is a pre-calculated calendar referring to the solar calendar of 365 days. But it is not 365, it's 364. Why? Moses had told us that the Jews are, as you know, amkshe oref, are troublesome. They couldn't be like everybody else talking about 365 days calendar. They had to have 364. Why is that? Because they needed a calendar that is divided by seven, a calendar of Shabbatot, a calendar of Sabbath, that would reflect the unique Jewish unit of time, which is the unit of seven days. It is of the highest importance to understand it because Jewish time is consisted of two different systems, the audible time and the visible time. Audible time refers to number seven. Anything which has to do with seven is audible time. Every seven days is a Sabbath. Every first seven months of the year, a year starts in Pesach, in the holiday, in the months of Pesach, every first seven months of the year, there are seven holidays. All the biblical holidays are all in the first seven months of the year, between the months of the spring to the months of the autumn, from the first to the seven months. All the holidays together with the 52 Saturdays are consisting of 70 days. Every seventh year there is a sabbatical and every seven sevenths of year there is a jubilee. The common denominator to all those sevenfold calculation is that none of them is visible. All those distinctions are audible and they are the content of the covenant. This is 
explicitly said in the book of Jubilees and in the book of Enoch, and it is well asserted in the Bible, of course, but usually we don't consider that in this system, that sevenfold time is the time of the covenant. And what is the content of this seven time division? It is that every seven days, every seven holidays, every seven months, every seventh year and every seven sevenths of year, we have to resign our sovereignty. We have to stop working. We have to decline all human rights to change nature because that's the meaning of Shabbat, Shemitah, and Jubilee. Shemitah is a follow year. Shemitah is the sabbatical year. The meaning of those time divisions is that human beings are giving up their right to work, to change, to make money, to affect nature. They are striking from work. They are shabbating, if you wish to make it a, uh, a verb. They are not doing anything. They are doing only one thing. They are convening together to study the law, because in the seven festivals of the Lord, and in every Sabbath, and in the Jubilee year, and the uh, sabbatical year, the idea is that you are not working, but you are taking the free time in order to study. We may want to reflect on the following fact. In antiquity, there were many nations which were far stronger and far bigger than the Jewish people. Assyrians, Babylonians, Egyptians, not Egypt of today, but hieroglyphic Egyptians, all those were mighty people, highly cultured people. No one today is speaking Assyrian. Nobody's cursing in Babylonian. Nobody's writing poetry in hieroglyphic Egyptian. Nobody's speaking Prezite, Jebusite, all those languages of the seven people of Canaan. The only people from antiquity in this part of the world that are speaking the language of their fathers is are the Jewish people who are capable to read Hebrew, to speak Hebrew, to talk in Hebrew. Why is that? Because of this system of the audible cycles of time, when you don't work and you convene together to hear the law, when you teach your children to read, when you teach the whole community to listen to the divine word. In order to have those free time cycles, for that we need the sevenfold cycle of the audible divisions of time. Now, on the same time, we have another division of time. It is called the visible circle of time. If the first division, the sevenfold division, is the division of the covenant, which is directed only towards the Jewish people who are members of the covenant, who are accepting the covenant. The other kind of time, the visible time, is equally shared with all other humans on the world. The visible time is not Jewish time. It is universal time. Visible time is all divisions of time that we can see with our eyes. Sunrise and sunset, the moon and the spring and the autumn and winter and summer, all divisions that we can distinct through our sight. That kind of that kind of time is called the chariots of heaven, Merkavota Shamaim. The first division of time, the sevenfold cycles, is called Moadei Dror, times of liberty. Times of liberty are only given to the Jewish people. 
the chariot of heaven, which are the eternal cycles of changing of the seasons, are given to all human beings. The difference is that the Jewish people were in charge on keeping those two cycles of time, the visible time and the audible time, and to synchronize between them. Those synchronization cycles were kept by the priests from the house of Tzadok, those who were serving in the temple for 1,000 years. Now, how come that all those perceptions of time division were lost in oblivion. Why we don't know much about it? Why we needed the Dead Sea Scrolls to find out about it? Because this time perception was marginalized, was thrown into oblivion by the revolution that was taking place in the beginning of the first millennium. But it was more complicated than that. Because if for a thousand years the priests were keeping the time cycles through the holy watches, which are detailed in First Chronicles chapter 24, if they were keeping those time cycles as it is attested among the Dead Sea Scrolls, why it had stopped? What happened? Now, how it had stopped, you know without knowing it, because everybody sitting here had heard about the Holy Day of Hanukkah. But most of us don't know that Hanukkah is a very complicated holiday. It's not really a holiday for the priests. It's not a holiday acknowledged by the Ethiopian Jews. It's not a holiday known or acknowledged by the Samaritans or by various other Jewish cycles in antiquity. This is a questionable holiday because what it signifies is the end of the biblical world and the beginning of a new order. How did it happen? In the year 175 before the Common Era, Antiochus, the Seleucian king, had conquered Jerusalem. Seleucian kings means from the house of Seleucus, the heirs of Alexander the Great, Alexander Mukdon, and he was from Greek origin. He had Greek education. All Greek people had been living for years according to a lunar calendar starting in the autumn, in the months of Dios, while all, while all the Jewish people were living for years according to a solar calendar starting in the spring in the months in the, on a solar calendar starting on the spring, which includes 364 days. When Antiochus Epiphanes, which means the one who had the divine revelation, when Antiochus Epiphanes had conquered Jerusalem in 175 before the Common Era, he demanded to celebrate his birthday according to his own calendar. He said, if I'm a king, I would like to have my birthday celebrated every month, not once a year. If I'm a king, you know, why do we like our birthday being celebrated? What do we get in birthday? Presents? Why should we get presents only once a year? We may as well get it every month if we are the king. Now, he had... His idea was, if I'm the king, I may as well have things according to my own desire. My own desire was to have a birthday every month in the day of my birthday, which was the 25th of the month of Dios. But he said every month in the 25th of the month, I would like to have a celebration. That's very good only in Jerusalem. 
time was calculated according to a solar calendar, not according to a lunar calendar. What is the difference between a solar and a lunar calendar? Solar calendar is a pre-calculated calendar that has nothing to do with the moon, while lunar calendar is a calendar which is based on observation and not on pre-calculation. In a solar calendar, which has 364 days, you can say in advance that there are 12 months, each one of the months of the year has 30 days. Each one of the months of the year has a date and a day that it starts. Always, always, the first month, that's the month of Nisan, the first month would start on Wednesday, the second month would start on Friday, the third month would start on Wednesday, and one more time. The fourth month would start on Wednesday, the fifth month would start on Friday, the sixth month would start on Sunday. The seventh month always would start on Wednesday, the eighth month would start on uh, Friday, and the nine months on Sunday, and so on and so forth. So every three months would always start Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Every month would have 30 days in the, third, in the last months, in every third, every third month, that is, the third, the sixth, the ninth, and the twelfth, you would add an extra day. So the third month would have 31 days, the sixth month would have 31 days, the nine months would have 31 days, and the twelfth month would have 31 days. Altogether, we would have 330, 364 days, okay? First month, 30, second month, 30, third month, 31. Fourth month, 30, fifth month, 30, sixth month, 31, seventh month, 30, eighth month, 30, nine month, 31, and so on and so forth. Every year would have 364 days, with every month starting in a day well known to us. As I said, the first month of every quarter would start on Wednesday, the second month on Friday, the third one on Sunday. Thus, we know the date of every Shabbat of the year. If the first month starts on Wednesday, inevitably the first Shabbat would be the fourth of the first month. The second Shabbat would be the eleventh of the first month. The third Shabbat would be the eighteenth, and so on and so forth. You can do the calculation, you understand the principle. Every seventh day there is a Shabbat. If you know how many days are in a month and how in what day the month starts, you can say the date of every Shabbat of the year. All the Shabbatot would be parallel in each one of the quarters, because if you start every quarter on Wednesday, the first Shabbat would always be the fourth of the first month, the fourth of the fourth month, the fourth of the seventh month, and the fourth of the eleventh month, and it would go like that. In every quarter of 91 days, the last Shabbat would be in the 28th of the third month. Every Shabbat has a date. Every Shabbat has, every month has a pre-calculated division of time. All time is pre-calculated and has nothing to do with the moon. This is mathematical calendar 
pre-calculated, pre pre-deterministic, and had nothing to do with human decision. It had been brought, as I said, according to the priestly lore, it had been brought from heaven by Enoch, son of Jared, was transmitted to his son Methuselah. His son Methuselah transmitted it to his son Lemech, so we are told in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Lemech had passed it to the brother of Noah, his name was Nir, and Nir had passed it to Malkitzedek, the one who meets many generations afterwards, Abraham, and teach him the calendar. That's the priestly alternative memory to the biblical memory that we know. But the major thing is about the calendar. The calendar is the basis of, of all Jewish memory. The calendar is the basis of the temple worship. The calendar is the foundation of the covenant. But as I said, when Antiochus came to Jerusalem in 175 before the common era, he said, I am the, I am the king and I will implement my own calendar. The Greek lunar calendar, which starts in the first moon of the autumn. It has nothing to do with pre-calculation. It has nothing to do with solar calendars. This is a different calendar. The high priest who was serving at that time, at that period, his name was Onias, son of Shimon, Honiob and Shimon, had refused the king. He told him in Jerusalem, in the temple, there is only one holy calendar. It is kept by the priest from the days, from days of old, from the time that we have temple in Jerusalem, from the 10th century before the common era, we cannot change the calendar. We would do everything you want. We would bring you presents, we would do a celebration outside of the temple, but we cannot change the temple calendar. Well, the king was not tolerant, nor was he democratic. He said, behead him or, you know, kick him out of office. Onias had to run for his life. He was murdered later, but he had to run from his life. The king had nominated his brother, Yazon, Jason, who had agreed to make some kind of a compromise. It didn't work because you cannot synchronize between the solar calendar, which is pre-calculated, and the lunar calendar, which is working on observation. And it didn't work, and Jason was murdered too, and was, uh, it was hard time, and was exchanged by a, a non-priest called Menelaus, and he was exchanged by another person. His name was Alchemos, and that's the time when the Hashmonean War starts. The Hashmonean War was against the Jews who were officiating in the temple, not against the king. It was against the Mityavnim, the Hellenized Jews who had accepted Antiochus' ideas about time, which was contesting the Jewish tradition of time. There was a war between 167 to 164 before the Common Era, and the war ended because Antiochus died in Persia, far away from the war zone, and they had hoped that a new regime would start without imposition of the calendar. But that was not the case. There was a decade of chaos and different Different people and different par uh, parties were trying to conquer the. Uh, they were trying to conquer the temple. At the end of this chaotic uh, decade, Jonathan, the son of Matityahu, was nominated to a priest, to a high priest. It was not his position because the high priesthood was always kept 
to the people of the family of Yedaiah, which are direct descendants of Aaron. The Hashmonians were not belonging to this family. Jonathan was nominated by the Greek king Alexander Ballas. His brother, Simon, was nominated by the Greek king Demetrius. The Greek kings had demanded that the lunar calendar would be imposed. So the famous Hashmonians, which are usually delineated as heroes and as liberators, were no heroes and no liberators. In fact, they were traitors from the point of view of the priests. They called them sons of darkness because they accepted the lunar calendar. They didn't have a choice. If the, the King said, if you want to officiate in the temple, you have to accept the lunar calendar. Those who resented this compromise were called the priests from the house of Tzadok, or the Zadokite later. They were calling themselves sons of light. The difference between light and darkness was the difference between solar calendar and lunar calendar. If you accepted the solar calendar, these 364 days, you were sons of light. If you accepted the lunar calendar, the one that had no, no fixed number of days, you were sons of darkness. The war between sons of light and sons of darkness, sons of darkness, was the internal Jewish war between people who had kept to the ancient order of the temple, holy time, and people who made compromise with the new political situation where the Greek kings had imposed their will on Jerusalem and on the land through the Hashmonians who were officiating as priests. The old priesthood, the Zadokite priesthood, had resented it profoundly. They hated the new unofficiated priest. And the new priesthood, the uh, Hashmonians, had hated the old priesthood, the Zadokite priest. It was an internal Jewish fight, a very profound fight. At the end of it, the Romans came and had made a new decision. For 120 years, the Hashmonian kings were ruling in a very horrible way. They were assassinating each other. They were assassinating mothers and brothers. They were imposing Greek culture in various ways. And they were much resented by the members of the old regimes who defined themselves Hakohanim Bnei Tzadok Ve'anshei Britam, the priests from the house of Tzadok and the members of their covenant. For 120 years, they were fighting not with swords, with literature. Much of the literature that had been found among the 930 scrolls of the, in the Dead Sea scrolls is the literature written by the priests from the house of Tzadok against the priests from the house of Hashmonai. But in the year 1600, in the year 67, before the Common Era, the Romans were conquering Jerusalem according to the invitation of one of the kings of the Hashmonians who was fighting with his brothers. Antigonus and Aristobulus were fighting with each other. One of them had summoned the Roman soldiers who were in Syria. Rome had conquered the land of Israel in the year 67 before the Common Era. The Romans had their own idea about how time should be calculated, because every new regime has its own ideas what time should be like, what calendar should be like. 
you all, you're all familiar with the result of the Roman conquest because you're all familiar with the Julian calendar. That's the basic calendar, the civil calendar that we're living according to. But very few of us are familiar with the fact that this Julian calendar was calculated in the year 45 before the Common Era as a result of the Roman conquest of the land of Israel and Syria and Egypt. They said we can't work with those lunar calendars because you cannot pre-calculate anything. We don't know in which day the moon would rise and at what day should we collect taxes and pay salaries. We need a workable system which could be pre-calculated. Julius Caesar, then it was not Caesar, it was only a king, Julius was convening in Alexandria, scholars of all denominations and all religions. They set number of years and they devised the 365 and a quarter calendar. You know, that's the reason that every February we have, uh, every 4th February we have an extra day. That's the quarter because you cannot have a quarter of a day in the calendar. So every fourth year you have to have 29th days in February. Anyhow, the new solar calendar of the Roman Empire is the third calendar that we're talking about. The first one is the ancient biblical priestly calendar of 364 days. The second one is the Antiochian Greek lunar calendar with no fixed number of days based on lunar observation. The third one that I just now presented very quickly is the Julian calendar from the year 45 before the Common Era. But that is happening within the land of Israel. The Romans had conquered the land of Israel, as I said, from the year 67 before the Common Era. That's a very hard century. At the end of this century, half of the first century before the Common Era and half of the first century of the Common Era. It's a very hard time. This is the time that the new party known as the Pharisees is coming forward as a result of the, as a result of the conflict between the ancient priesthood, the Zadokite, and the new unofficial priesthood of the Hashmonians and the Roman conquest, all of that together had paved the ground to the rise of the Pharisees, Pushim. Now, what is Pharisees? What is Pushim? Pushim is de derived from the word lahem al piadonai, to interpret for them according to the words of the Lord. To interpret. Pushim means interpreters. And there is a great difference between Pushim and Kohanim. Kohanim priests are writing and arguing that everything sacred and everything holy has to be written. The Pharisees, Pushim, are arguing exactly the opposite. They say that the most important thing is the new oral law, the new interpretation, the new oral deliberation. This is a complete innovation because until the first century before the common era, there was no such a thing as oral law. The Pharisees had introduced the word tradition, Masoret, which is not a biblical word, and the oral law, Torah Shebel Peh, as against the old priestly order that by that time was a very evil priestly order. It was the Hashmonian priestly order and the Herodian priestly order because the Romans were nominating Herod and he had invited unofficial priests to serve in the temple. 
On this background of great political chaos, the new party known as the Pharisees, later on as the rabbis, would come forward and introduce the idea of oral law, the idea of a new perception of holiness, the new idea of tradition, and the most important thing, the new calendar. But that had happened only after the destruction of the temple. The temple was destroyed in the year 70 of the Common Era. It was a tragedy in every possible aspect. Jerusalem was ruined, the temple was ruined, but the outcome of this complete catastrophe was a new order. The priest of any kind could not offer any response to the new order because if there is no temple, there is no priesthood. There is no place to calculate the old priestly calendar. There is no place to do the sacrifices. There is no place to keep the ancient scrolls. There is no more temple. The only group that could step forward and offer a solution to the catastrophe was the party known as the Pharisees, Pushim or rabbis or Tanaim, it's all the same. The meaning of this new party is, let us introduce entirely new order. What did they do? They closed the Bible. They said that there is no more prophecy. You cannot write anymore. They said instead of writing, you should start to interpret. You should start to deliberate oral laws. And there is a profound difference between written law and oral law. In the written law, you don't discuss the identity of the authors. You discuss the holy scriptures. In the oral law, you don't have any text. You have only teachers. Thus, every sentence in the oral law would be starting by Rabbi Akiva said, Rabbi Shimon said, Rabbi Ishmael said, because the teachers are those who saying different traditions. In the old priestly law, there is never a name mentioned by who is the writer of the teaching, because it is considered to be divine law that humans are recording, and there is no importance to the identity of the recorder. There is a great importance to the sanctity of the scriptures. So the ancient priestly tradition, with the solar calendar of 364 days, had described utmost importance to written tradition, including the written calendar. The new group, the Pharisees, the rabbis, had ascribed the highest importance to oral deliberation, to interpretation of the legal scriptures, and they said that they have to be sealed. There is no such idea in the biblical collection itself. There is no reason why the Bible should be sealed. Why what had been written for a millennium should stop to be written? What is the last biblical work in our collection of the Bible? It's the book of Daniel. It was written in the year 165 before the Common Era, before the results of the war with Antiochus. 165 before the Common Era is the last biblical book. He is telling us in a literary way about the conquest of Antiochus. He's talking about a king who came forward and had desired to change laws, order, and calendar. That's Daniel chapter 7. However, from the time of Daniel, second century before the Common Era, to the time of the sages, early 
second century of the Common Era, three calendars had changed. The ancient priestly calendar was dismissed. The new Antiochian Greek calendar was introduced for 120 years in the time of the Hashmoneans. Third calendar was the Roman calendar of 365 and a quarter days, introduced in the year 45 before the Common Era. And after the destruction, the sages said the following, we don't want to live according to the Roman calendar. We want to keep our own identity. We cannot live according to the priestly calendar because there is no more temple, there is no more service, there is no more sacrificial service. There is no more point to keep the ancient priestly calendar when only priests can calculate divisions of time. We need a new calendar. So then they devised a new calendar which had a unique principle among all the calendars in the world. The principle is, we will never tell you anything. We will, ne <laughs> we will never tell you how many days are in a year. We will never tell you how many days are in a month. We would never tell you what's the principle of calculation. We would keep it all secrets and we would nominate Beidin, we would nominate a court of law that would decide and decree it according to our own decision. Not according to any pre-calculation, not according to any preset principles. We would decide when the months would start and when the months would end. We would decide. Now, when did they decide it? When is it first mentioned? In Mishnah Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah as a holiday is first introduced in Mishnah Rosh Hashanah. Mishnah is the literature of the sages. It was written down much later, but it was orally kept and orally recited from the second, early second century of the Common Era. What do they say in Mishnah Rosh Hashanah? They tell us in a very complicated way that in fact there are four Rashi Shana. There is not only one Rosh Hashanah, there are four Rashi Shana heads of the years. And they start to tell you all kinds of legend. There is this kind of Rosh Hashanah, there is that kind of Rosh Hashanah. But I ask you a simple question. When you are paid taxes, do you choose to pay according to your Rosh Hashanah or the government is telling you, well, you would pay taxes with all due respect according to the calendar of the country where you live. That exactly was the system with the Romans, with the Greeks, with the Egyptians, with the Persians. The government is dictating the calendar, always and everywhere. Now, every individual group may choose to have its own calendar as an addition, but you pay taxes according to the ruling government and not according to your own religious identity. Now, if you would ask today, where do you think the people who set the calendar in the state of Israel are sitting? In which office would you suggest? Hmm? Which one? No, no, but in which government, in which office of the government, the people who decide the calendar are sitting? No, not in the treasury, not in the office of religion. Not in the education, no, they are sitting where they are expected to sit. 
in משרד ראש הממשלה, in the office of the prime minister. Although you know you may say the calendar today is a combination between the Greenwich time and the world uh, Julian calendar and so on, nevertheless, the calendar is dictated in the office of the prime minister. With all due respect, I don't know where the American calendar is being dictated or written, but it's presumably in something of that sort, in the president office or something like that. But the point of the matter is that the ruling, the new ruling group was the sages after the destruction of the temple. And they wanted to clarify in a very clear-cut way that time is no more a subject of priestly calculation, that time is no more part of the sacrificial hegemony order. Time is in human hands, and this is very clearly declared in the story of Mishnah Rosh Hashanah, in a story that many of you have heard or read about, the story where Rabban Gamliel is ordering Rabbi Yoshua to come to him in Yom HaKippurim that is falling according to his, Rabbi Yoshua, calendar. How could that have happened? What was this story like? It goes like that. Rabban Gamliel, who is the representative of the new order, the order of the sages, is declaring the beginning of the new months, the seventh month. This is most important months because that's the month of Memorial Day and the month of Day of Atonement and the month of Sukkot. You need to calculate it very carefully. For thousand years, the seventh month always started on Wednesday. So the first of the seven months, Memorial Day, would always be on Wednesday. Thus, Yom HaKippurim, Day of Atonement, inevitably would always be on Friday. That's why it's called Shabbat Shabbaton. Always would be on Friday. Sukkot, which is in the middle of the month, would always be on Wednesday. Rabbi Yoshua, who was a Levi, wanted to help Rabban Gamliel to declare the month starting on Wednesday. But Rabban Gamliel had received a testimony on the new moon, which had caused him to err in his calculation. Rabbi Yoshua is trying to convince him that he should change his ruling. But Rabban Gamliel says to him, I don't want to hear what you have to say. It doesn't matter if you are right or wrong. I am the order now, and I would dictate when the month would start, even if I'm wrong. I would dictate it. Rabbi Yoshua is crying bitterly because he understands that that's the end of the priestly order. Rabban Gamliel is telling him, not only you would accept what I say, you would come to me in Yom HaKippurim according to your own calendar, in the Day of Atonement according to your own calendar. You would come to me with your money and with your purse, with your cane, and you would do everything that you may not do in Yom HaKippurim in order to show that it is not Yom HaKippurim according to the old calendar, but it is Yom HaKippurim according to the calendar that I dictate. Rabbi Yoshua is crying bitterly because he realized the consequences of that decision. This is the end of the old order. He's crying and the student, Rabbi Akiva, is telling him a very important insight. He's telling him the following. Let me offer you an interpretation 
on the key verse of the calendar. In the book of Leviticus chapter 23, it is said, and I'll say it in Hebrew and then I'll translate it, Ele mo'adei Adonai mikra'ei kodesh asher tikre'u otam bemo'adam. Those are the holy days of the, war, of the Lord, holy festivals appoint, in their appointed time that you should call according to their appointed time. Those are the holy days of the Lord. Now Rabbi Akiva said, instead of saying, those are the holy time of the Lord that you should call in their appointed time, he said, you, 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 you even if you are mistaken, you even if you are erring, you even if you are deliberately mistaken, you would decree the time and not anybody else. Now what does it, what does it do? For that we need a tiny bit of Hebrew. In Hebrew the verse is said, Ele mo'adea donai asher tikreu otam bemo'adam. Otam means they, the holidays, should be called in their appointed time. Rabbi Akiva reads it as atem. Ele mo'adea donai asher tikreu atem. Atem afilu shogegim, atem afilu mezidim, atem afilu toim, atem, atem, atem. Those are the holy time of the Lord that you should call you should call them even if you err. You should call them even if you're deliberately making a mistake. You should call them even if you're just mistaking without intending. You, you, you. So this interpretation, which is offered in Mishnah Rosh Hashanah, in Bavli Rosh Hashanah, and in other versions, is the moment when the calendar has changed. This is the moment when the Jewish people had decided to invent a new order when you start in the seventh month and not in the first month, when you cut the time according to the lunar calendar of observation and not according to the solar calendar of calculation, when humans, everyone, can, be, can give testimony and the court would rule according to a testimony about the time of the moon. Nothing in the Bible tells us that the moon should be taken into calculation. And in fact, in the ancient versions of Genesis that were found in the, among the scrolls, it is said in the story of the creation of the luminaries, where in our tradition it is mentioned that the sun and the moon should be taken into consideration for declaring time, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it is said that only the sun should be taken into consideration because it is a solar calendar. However, what do you need in time of a lunar calendar? Lunar calendar, basically, it's about 354 days. You miss quite a few days for a full solar year of 365 and a quarter. What do you need to do? You need to add an extra month. Shana meuberet. To add an extra month. Is there any reference in the Bible for an extra month? Of course not. There was no extra month in the biblical order because the biblical order was a solar calendar order of 364 days. But the sages who had edited the Bible had erased every place where it was said explicitly that the year has 364 days. Now they did not want to intervene in the biblical tradition. That was holy scriptures. But the only topic that they took the freedom to intervene in the text is the matter of the calendar. Where in our traditional story of Noah, the story of the flood. 
If you'll read it carefully, you'll see that it is a story of a calendar. It is mentioned when Noah started the, st uh, started the voyage, when he ended the voyage. It is a whole year. In the parallel tradition, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it is said, and Noah had stayed in the ark a full year, 364 days. It is said explicitly, but in the traditional version, no such number is mentioned. The word 364 days is not mentioned in the Bible, but it is mentioned in the book of Enoch and in the book of Jubilees and in Genesis in the scrolls, the story of the Bible, and in various other sources among the Dead Sea Scrolls. So people may argue, people may say, it's not the sages who omitted it, it's the priest who had added it. We may say that. However, we must say that the priestly literature is earlier than the rabbinical literature in thousand years. Because all the biblical tradition was written in the course of the first millennium before the common era. While all rabbinical tradition was written in the course of the first millennium of the common era, the priestly literature is much more ancient, really in thousand years. So in the biblical traditions which were found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, a year of 364 days is mentioned time and again in various sources, time and again. In the letter known as Miktzat Maaseh Torah, which means a little bit of the Torah writing, the first chapter is how to calculate a calendar. And they say the first month starts on Wednesday. The first holiday, Pesach, is on Tuesday in the 14th of the first month. Chag HaMatzot is in the 15th of the first month. Next holiday, it is Shavuot in the 15th of the third month. Next holiday, Memorial Day, is in the first of the seventh month. Next holiday is Day of Atonement in Friday in the seventh month, and last holiday is Sukkot in Wednesday in the seventh month. Now, it's most important for them to say that every holiday has a day and a date, while in our biblical tradition, no day and no date is given to many of the holidays. We know, of course, on the Memorial Day, which is what the book of uh, Leviticus is telling us in this chapter 23. But we don't know that there are four memorial days, which correspond to the first of the first, the first of the fourth, the first of the seventh, and the first of the tenth. Each one of them is a Wednesday. Each one of them is referring to the following. The first of the first is the vernal equinox. The first of the seventh is the autumnal equinox. The first of the fourth is the longest day of the year. And the first of the tenth is the shortest day of the year. That was the foundation of the calendar for thousand years, where every day had a date, where every holiday had a date, where the priests were calculating it with great care and importance. But all that mathematical, mechanical work was intended for one single thing. Holiness is about eternity. Eternity is about time, cycles of time. Counting cycles of time was most holy because that what promised cycles of liberty and education. Moadei Kodesh means holy times, holy convocations, holy festivals. 
but mikra'ei kodesh means times of reading, times of convening to read together. Mikra means reading. Likro means to read. In those holy convocations, every seventh day, every seven holidays, every jubilee year and every sabbatical year, the idea was that work should be cut and reading should be celebrated. Enslavement to work should be stopped and celebrating of reading should be inaugurated. The idea that holiness is about not working, because in Hebrew, as you know, avodah and avdut, work and enslavement, comes from the same root. We were always called to remember that work is a curse and work is enslavement when it is enforced upon you. It is a blessing when you choose it. It is a curse when it is enforced on you. What was the nature of slavery? When the Jews had no time of their own, when they were not allowed to keep anything, when they were not allowed to make any choices about time, liberty, work, enslavement, when they were enslaved. That's the reason that our story starts with we were slaves in Egypt for so many hundreds of years. We were liberated by God who gave us this calendar of days of liberations. I said before that the sevenfold divisions of the calendar is called in ancient sources Mo'adei Dro. It means appointed time of liberty. Keeping those appointed time of liberty every seven days, every seven holidays, every seven months, every seven years and every seven sevenths of years, that would have kept us as a nation from antiquity until today. That combination of cycles of free time, which are dedicated to scholarship and reading and teaching the whole entire community, that is the reason why we are still capable to read the sources of our forefathers and foremothers and while other great nations are lost in oblivion. Think about it, and when next time somebody asks you what day is today, you'll ask according which calendar. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs>